1: so, to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Welcome to Late Lunch. I'm not talking about football today, just to set the ground rules, that Louise, from the start. No football chat today. It's banned on Late Lunch, okay? Ah. Uh, Let's move on don't swiftly. Lose, sir. I'm not a sore loser, but <laughs> I'll tell you getting, one thing. Getting. I'll tell you one thing. Didn't I predict it? You did, yeah. Let's give me a bit of credit. I yeah. know me football. I know it. I'm at a long time. I told you City would trounce Arsenal and I knew that. I really did know it that they would trounce them for sure. And you know, it could have been worse. Four one. It could have been six, seven, eight. The Arsenal keeper was outstanding at times. Mind you, he was at fault for the first And fourth goals in the game, I have to say as well. It wasn't a contest. If it was a boxing match, it should have been stopped after 15 minutes, I would say to you. It was boys against men. The gap is enormous. If that's the second best team in England, well, City are miles in front of everybody else. And they are, Louise. They're just a superb side. And I hope they go on to win the Champions League this year. Because they're going to win the league in England for the fifth year in six. Five out of six years, they'd oh. be champions of England. Imagine that. There you go. Anyway. So are you sure you don't want to
3: talk about last night's match? <laughs>
2: that's it. It's all over. <laughs> I'm drawing the curtain right now. 086 by WhatsApp or text if you want to get in touch with us on the show. Now, I want to tell you a little story to start off today. You know that uh, I am a very big supporter, friend, lover of dogs. Yes. Always have been. Always have been all my life. You know what I mean? Mm. Our family. You know it yourself I, You know we've been involved In greyhound racing We've had dogs all our lives And yep. I love them And I want to start off By saying that 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 is my position But We were out for a meal We were out for a meal To be honest with you um, In recent times And uh, We Myself and Miriam Went for a meal And into a lovely restaurant Okay Into a lovely Lovely restaurant And um, What happened was we, we took our seats In the restaurant beautiful Italian restaurant, sat down, the meal proceeded. It was about, the restaurant I'd say it was about three quarters full and we were enjoying our meal, eating away there, not a bother on the pair of us. And the next thing, Louise, uh, at our backs, there was an explosion. Right. Dogs going mad, barking, growling at one another and we realised then somebody had just come into the restaurant with a dog, okay? Okay. And what we didn't know, there was a dog under one of the other tables in the restaurant, which we didn't see, you know what I mean, on the way in. That dog was there. not on a lead. Not sure whether it was on a lead or not. I I think it was. No, in fairness, they were on leads. But the dog was obviously under the table with, uh, uh, I think it was four people at the table. We didn't notice the dog because the dog Mm -hmm. never budged when we came in and Mm -hmm. other people came and went as well. But when a second party came and a dog with them, as they were walking by this table, one dog saw the other and they went for each other. Oh. Hell for leather. Right. Oh my word, there was such... Was leads being pulled back? Anyway, it eventually settled after a moment or so and th- these people went to the table away from the other table where the dog was. But I can tell you, for the remainder of the meal, the dogs were communicating in the restaurant. Barking Broiling over them. at one another. Oh, that's okay. Right?
3: Yeah, not nice if you're listening to that.
2: No, and... Miriam wasn't happy I can tell you that and and there was a table beside us and they were particularly uncomfortable and another one I saw that as well but anyway um, we Did you fin- bring it up? No, no, no oh. we finished up our meal and we took our time and, and we left there and we enjoyed the meal I have to say but the point is that I believe this is my belief I believe uh, dogs and restaurants don't mix mm. That's, and I, I, I really mean that I, when I go out for a meal I go out for a meal to enjoy, and I just don't think it's the place for dogs. That's my opinion. Have you an opinion? What do you think?
3: Were they the only two dogs in the place at the time or were there other dogs?
2: <laughs> well, if those, others they were very well behaved right. and we yeah, didn't yeah. see them. But well, yeah. I think they were the only two in the mm-hmm. place. What do you think? Have you an opinion on that?
3: I, I have a dog and we've always had dogs yes. as well. But if I was in a restaurant and that happened, that episode happened and the two yes. dogs went for each other, I would be very... Unsettled. Yes, I'd actually be nervous because I was bitten by a dog when I was twelve, thirteen, oh. and I I have a I, I have a fear of dogs.
2: Right. Okay.
3: Um. So yeah, I now I would go in, and if they were well behaved, that's fine. But if that happened, it would yeah, it would kind of I would mm. be unsettled. I'd probably have to leave.
2: Well, well, I have to say, I believe I would enjoy it. Uh, I believe the dog has its place in a home and in a household and a family and. Pi- different people uh, treat them differently and they're an integral part of people's lives and homes and inside in the house and that. With us, it's never been like that. A dog had its place. But I I honestly believe, I I have to say, when I go for a meal in a restaurant, I don't want to be sharing the restaurant with dogs. That's just my opinion and me being a big canine man. And is it just
3: because, like if those dogs were well behaved, and that was fine. Is it just because of that or is
2: it just because? No, it's always been my opinion. Okay, I've always held that opinion and that just reaffirmed it for me to be honest with you what do you think listeners today dogs in restaurants have you an opinion are you happy with it let me know if you're very happy with it let us know Uh, have you ever had an experience like I've had in recent times Uh, love to hear from me what you feel about dogs sharing restaurants with human beings 086 1800 658 you can WhatsApp or text me now waiting by to have a chat with us he's been listening intently is the wonderful Mark McGowan from Scholars townhouse and peggy moores afternoon mark
4: hey jerry how are you doing how's things
2: i'm grand did you get the gist of me story there
4: i did get the gist of it yeah um, it's and it's a very tricky one i think for a restaurant tour as well so obviously we have to uh, work within the confines of of half of standards and for me it's very tricky because if you're in a restaurant and you, you could have a dog that sheds you could have a dog that doesn't shed and then all of a sudden we could have discriminatory problem between dogs. My dog's allowed in and their dog is not allowed in. So I suppose it's it's um, different strokes for different folks, but it's definitely a tricky situation, I think, for a restaurateur. In Scholars, we allow dogs on the terrace area, and that's no problem. We're very happy to have dogs up there and they come up to the coffee van and we bring them bowls of water and we look after them. But we haven't actually brought them into the restaurant yet. Now, mm. Peggy Morris, on the other hand, it's not so much of a food environment and there's areas in the pub there where you can bring in a dog. And we're very welcoming the dog. We actually have a corner called Peggy's Pups. So we can be get a photo (laughs) on Instagram and that kind of thing. So as you said, it's not for every environment. I don't think Scholars Restaurant is the environment to be bringing dogs in. I'd love to hear from a few of my customers. Some of them might be giving out to me. But we try and welcome them in the areas that we can bring them in. And then um, hopefully um, we'll stay within the confines of of, uh, EHO standards and how they want us to operate.
2: Lily's making a good point to me here as we speak. Thank you, indeed. She says, "I think Jerry only guide dogs should be allowed into restaurant." And that's a fair point, isn't it?
4: A Guide dog. Very fair point. We've had we've yes. had we've had many a guide dog in, and it's not merely just for the, not necessarily just for the blind. Now we've we've autism related uh, dogs that are trained to to help those people that that suffer with autism and um yes. we were able to do it that way as well so um yeah absolutely so those dogs are so important you know yet they are but you the I mean, point, I, point of view. yes
2: absolutely and 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 we say that guide dogs assistant dogs or whatever and and i think that exception is acceptable but you mentioned something there that's interesting uh, trying to distinguish between different breeds of dogs because because you're right so some dogs shed like mad my labrador you know bloody hairs everywhere near your place and there's others yeah. you have the no shed dogs as well it, it is difficult for you. So what you're basically saying to me is that Scholar's Dining, you feel, no, but you allow out on the terrace area at the front of your beautiful place there. But Peggy's is more casual. Is that what you're saying, really?
4: Peggy's is a bit more casual. I think if some if somebody comes in with their dog, they're, we're very, as long as the dog is trained and they're not barking and they're not interrupting their customers... Um, and or singing songs or anything along those lines well then we're, we're all right with it like you know mm. I think Peg, Peggy's Pups is brilliant and it kind of it creates a bit of banter between customers as well they like to see dogs then we have to remember some people may have a fear of dogs they may have, have a, had a, an incident with a dog when they were younger as well and there's, there's also that element so we have to be, be careful
2: yeah, Louise mentioned that there I think you might have been just off the, the, the feed there for a moment she said Forest. when she was uh, younger she was bitten by a dog and you know that has stayed with her and she has a dog she's a dog owner now as well and loves them but would just be uneasy with the story I told and I'll tell you Mark I like I, I saw it happen to me Sam, and I just thought oh my god and I knew my wife was uneasy and I looked at the table beside me in another one and people were certainly uncomfortable because these dogs went for one another hell for leather yeah
4: yeah absolutely so I think I think there has to be a bit of logic involved as well. Maybe a dog section in a separate room that some people if you have a dog area or a dog space, a safe space for people that are, are mm. happy to go into the dog area could be an option. But in a big open plan restaurant like like my own one at Scholars I suppose that wouldn't work, you know? Yes. So it's each to their own. It's a tricky one, isn't it? It is a tricky one. Let me give you a flavour. The messages are
2: belting into us here. Thank you so much indeed. Keep them coming to us. I want to hear your opinion about dogs in restaurants. 086 1800 658 by WhatsApp or text. Mark, here's a, a, a feel for what's coming to me today. Well, Flaming Eamon, he's very smart. What a dog's dinner, says Eamon, when he heard my story. <laughs> Thank you, Eamon. Um, look, Jerry says, uh, Paddy from Trim. Jerry, I 100% love dogs but please not in a restaurant lily back to lily thank you for the guide dog's uh, message no place in restaurants for dogs says a listener another listener i would walk out who would want to sit there and listen to those dogs no thanks here's an interesting one from pj hi jerry i show breed and judge dogs i absolutely love dogs But I do agree with you. Dogs should not be in restaurants. Someone could have a serious fear of dogs and they would then be excluded. And so on they go. It's interesting to hear people, the general trend, and there's more there saying, no, 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 dogs not in restaurants. So that seems to be the feeling. Let's see if we get a few on the other side. I think we probably will, uh, Mark. So there we are. Uh, Scholars, the dining there, no room outdoors if you want to come with your four-legged friend. I like your suggestion, perhaps. A dedicated area, Mark
4: dedicated safe space for dogs yeah. could be could be an option and then then it suits everybody doesn't it and um, um, we're not being the only thing is now we have to be careful we don't have any fights as well because we don't have doormen to look after the dog treks you know what I mean yes. so we have to make sure that they're all under control
2: yes yes and that is true controlling don't them Drinking
4: either because we're no. not allowed to drink <laughs> drink a water Mark yes
2: just water yeah, yeah, absolutely H2O only nothing else of course listen you're very good I'll let you go there I know you're really busy thank you for bye, joining guys. me Thanks. take care of bye. yourself bye bye that's Mark McGowan there from Scholars Townhouse and Peggy Moores let me pick pick up a few more of the comments here before we go to a break. Um, Ella's been on to say restaurants can have tables for dog owners outside. Inside, I don't feel they should be allowed either. Uh, And thank you indeed for that. Um, I'm with you, says Anne, Jerry, I'm with you. Uh, Dogs in restaurants are a no-no. Just because you love your dog doesn't mean others should have to put up with them too. Isn't that interesting? Jerry? I would never go to a restaurant that let dogs in. It's a special occasion for most people and expensive one too when you go out to enjoy yourself. Dogs shed, etc, etc they can smell uh, Guy Dog's the exception I absolutely agree with that, says Michael they're flying in there to me, keep them coming 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text, I will read them I promise you. After the break we're going to talk to a restaurant owner uh, a coffee shop owner who invites dogs and loves dogs in her premises, stay with us Clona Brady is the proprietor of the Black Dog in Enfield County Meath, I think the name's says it all, does it Clodo? Welcome to the show. You're very
5: welcome, thank you so much Jerry, for having me. Uh, Yeah, I think the name just says it all there, Black Dog Coffee. It's, um, we named it after our rescue pooch Susie. Right. Uh, She's just an amazing girl and so she inspired um, she inspired what I was uh, trying to get out of Black Dog Coffee when I opened it nearly two years ago.
2: You welcome our four-legged friends.
5: I do indeed very, very much so.
2: And have you ever had any issue with customers? Did anyone ever say to you, you know what, I, I'm, I'm not comfortable with this? Or has there never been an incident since you opened?
5: Uh, there has. There has been a couple of customers, luckily. Uh, just about two customers who uh, weren't happy with it. And I apologise, uh, but I had said to them that I'm afraid I am dog friendly. And uh, they just drank up their coffee and then they left. And I haven't seen them back. So that's their prerogative. I don't mind. Uh, I make it very clear that dogs are welcome into the shop. Um, I have a small sitting area in the inside and then I have a covered outdoor area as well at the back. Mm. So the dogs come in with their owners. Most of them are on leads. Nearly all of them would be on leads. The dogs that might get comfortable if it's not busy, they might go off the leads just for a little bit. Um, But I've had no major, major incident with any dogs um, in the shop, thank God.
2: I, I, I opened the show by telling the story of being in a restaurant recently where yeah. two dogs went at each other, you know what I mean? And it was unnerving. Uh, yeah. f- you know, I saw that myself when it happened. Now, one dog was under the table. I think it wasn't a lead, but there's usually scope, as you know, in a lead for them to go so far. And the other dog was walking by. They were only coming in, you know, to take their place at the table. And there was a big shamazel between them. And the, the the thing was after that that I found disturbing in a way was that they kept at each other the dogs even though they were uh, separated you know they weren't together by any means but they knew they were both there and this was going on then you know what I mean and barking and you know growling and all that type of thing and it was I have to say you can understand it was off-putting for some
5: people 100% and it's a very I don't I wouldn't even like that myself and uh, I have three girls myself. And then, as I said, I have a I have a dog-friendly cafe. It would be very un- airy for anyone to witness something like that. I put the responsibility on owners. Owners should know their dogs and how far they can actually push them. Yeah. I know I have owners who come in and they one particular owner, uh, her name is Claire, and she comes in with Larry. and, she, and Jack, Larry is, is, is uh, Jack Russell, and he's a feisty personality. And she'd pop her head in and say, is there any other dogs here? And we'd say yes or no. So she'd decide then whether it's a sit-in coffee or a takeaway coffee, whether another dog is there. So she understands the mm. way her dog is. So she'll then go for whatever suits her at that point. Um, no one would like that. Nobody would like that. And I agree 100% and it wouldn't be nice at all to be in that witness. And really, the dog should have been taken away at that point. They should have been taken out of the situation. Yeah. Just like if two humans start to fight... You wouldn't have the two of them growling and
6: giving out to each other over the table. Yes. You would take True. them out,
5: so you
2: should really do the same with dogs. You make a very good point, God. You're a great debater, I have to say. Don't doubt about that. <laughs> uh, but but you're right; it is down to behaviour and its owners. We've often talked about dogs, you know, yeah. in the past here, and, and it, the owner has a huge responsibility. And uh, you're right; if something kicks off, well, it has to it has to be sorted out. So you're known for it there, in Enfield and people understand that that's the way you operate. And and never, as you say, a couple of cases, but really nothing else. No, from the, uh, I'm getting messages in here from people saying, it's not hygienic. What do you say to that, you know, when they come back?
5: No, it is hygienic. It's 100% hygienic. I don't prepare food on the cafe inside it. We prepare sandwiches and stuff like that. Like, (laughs) <laughs> dogs, dogs are dogs. Dogs these days now are becoming more human-like because we're introducing them into our human life and our human lifestyle. There's people out there for one reason or another who can't have children, doesn't want children, and the dogs become their babies. Mm. They become their, you know, things. I know that was me. We, Our eldest girl is she, she's 16. She's 17 in August. And we weren't able to have kids for a long time and Lulu was our little fur baby at that point and I always referred to her as my fur baby. And then when we had our own little babies, thank God we were lucky enough to have children, then she then was introduced with our children and they have grown up with her along now with our other two pooches that we have. But I have so many customers who come in and the dogs are their babies and they appreciate that they can come out on a Saturday morning or Sunday lunchtime, go for a stroll and are able to bring their dogs for a walk, come into the shop, get themselves a coffee. The dog can get a puppuccino and now do the dog friendly ice cream as well. Not for human consumption. The only thing in the shop that cannot be human consumption is the dog ice cream and they all sit down and they have a nice afternoon coffee and a relaxing time with their booties.
2: There you go, Puppuccino. That's a new one on yeah. me today. I've oh, learned yeah. something. are famous in my shop. <laughs> <laughs> I learned something every day in this there seat here, can. I have to say. I, re- I really do. I-, I love it. And, uh, and uh, I'll have to throw in another pun. Thanks to my great producer, Louise. I take it there's a doggy bag if they need to take something away with them.
5: Oh, 100%. And then there's disinfectant there and everything. Yeah. But the amount of dogs who do accidents is very minimal. Very, very, very minimal. Uh, you might get people actually bring their new puppies in. Yes. to actually socialise them yeah. and I would always say that bring your dogs around other animals and other smells so that they get used to it yes. and that's what they do they start bringing them in from 12 weeks weeks old they don't get a puppuccino until they're, they're about 4 months old because there's a little bit of cream in it so you don't upset their tummy and yeah they tend to have a few little accidents around the place mm. but that's easily cleaned up it's like a bad yes. puppuccino they get excited spills over yeah yeah That's what we have. That's why we blue cloth, we clean it up, it's all right, don't worry about it. That's why we like them to be welcome. I've had dogs coming in from the first day I opened and they're still coming in and I know they're now most of all than the actual owners themselves and I love seeing them. I love seeing them grow up. Uh, It's amazing and it is nice that I'm able to do it. It's something I wanted to do when I had my daughter when we were living in, in Dublin City Centre and I just wanted to go for a coffee with her and with Lulu and I had to sit outside with them. And it's grand if it's a nice day and you don't mind it. And then sometimes you just wanted to go and sit down inside and just, you know, show off your two little your prizes there, as I would always say. Yes. But no, um, no, it's great and I love it. I'm glad I did it and I'm glad I, the dogs are coming in and they're just as welcome as
2: humans coming into it. Your fantastic black dog coffee in Enfield that's her that's, that's the place <laughs> there you are you'll that's be welcome place. with lovely. your four uh, legged friend at Annie's stage lovely to talk to you thanks so much for joining nice me to to
5: you. thank you so much for having me not
2: at all take care of yourself that's Clodagh Brady there from Black Dog Coffee in Enfield where dogs are most welcome so there you have the other side of the argument you heard what I have to say and I, I'll tell you one thing she makes a very strong argument I have to say Clodagh but I, I still say for me personally it's just me uh, I I don't want to be sharing the space when I go out for a nice meal uh, with our four-legged friends. And I love them to bits. I say that again. Keep your messages coming to us on late lunch this afternoon, 086 1800 658. A dedicated space for dogs would be great, says a listener. I like that suggestion. And more messages there. Besides, I'm going to come back to them through the show, I promise you. Keep them coming to me. After two on the show, Robbie Andrews is back to tell us more about his guardian angel. Sometimes you get a message on your phone out of the blue from somebody you met quite a while ago and it surprises you and that's what happened to me a couple of weeks ago with my next guest because 10 years ago he came to studio here and told me the story of his amazing awakening with his guardian angel. Robbie Andrews published a book then, How I Met My Guardian Angel, and it's gone on to be a huge seller worldwide. He's back with me today, and he's brought a very special guest with him too. Matthew Lehman is here. He's known as Mr. Gratitude. Oh, I am looking
7: forward to talking to these gentlemen today. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, you. Thank you very much. It's so great to be back and... I was just looking back in the photographs of 10 years ago and being here and getting to share that amazing book that I'd written. And it's been such a journey from here to now, three editions of the book, selling all around the world. But it's also given me an opportunity to meet some amazing people, mm. amazing people. And, and, and just in a quick recap for people, you are from Drogheda,
2: you went to the States. Uh, to start your life afresh again, Robbie, and it was around the time nine yes, eleven. Yes, around that time yeah. it was, and something happened to you. Just recap that story when you met your guardian angel for me.
7: So it's so profound. I actually am a suicide survivor, and I was in a bad place with a mentally after a really bad accident in America, and I was questioning my fate, and I was asking for God in my heart like in my heart to give me a sign show me something that you're you're here god you can hear my prayers help me through my suffering and my pain and i started to pray to god and on the 22nd of the 11th 2002 in a filling station in america this lady pulled up in her car and presented herself as my guardian angel she told me everything that i needed to know about my life my whole life every single hurt, pain everything had come true had a meaning and she told me that God had heard my cry and answered my prayer and sent her there that day to bring me this message to go out into the world and help people.
2: And that
7: person, can
2: I say they were a person or were they a spirit or, or what were they? She just went again. She
7: appeared and then disappeared. Was that it? Actually, it's, this is the best part of the story. She manifested physically. She drove in in a car they call it um a, an estate car, we call it here. I don't yes. know what, they call, what would they call that in America, Matt?
2: Well, one of, I, I'd say it's a state
7: as well. Yeah, Let's yeah, use yeah. it as an estate. You'd call it that there as well. She manifested in, in human form. In human. She also brought me a gift that day, a coin that I've shared with the world for over 10 years. What, 20 years the story it's 20 years since I met my guardian angel so like I share this coin with people and people hold it and they get f- really really phenomenal things happen for them but you know it's it's for me it's like really helping people to really trans- transgress and move forward that there really is something there and this was the story that I come out into the world to tell people I went to the darkest pits of hell and tried to kill myself And I tried to end my life, the thing that was most precious and most beautiful. And through all the pain and suffering and everything that happened to me, I realized that that wasn't really that bad, that there was a higher power and there was something there that was greater, that was in our hearts to help us. And and no matter what's going on with us right now in this moment, because I like, like, having depression having mental health problems you know not not feeling good one day feeling great the next day these are all things that we all experience but for me i have to say this this is important i think i guess this is important if they were to write a book again in 500 years time my story is so profound it's such a miracle that was made for the movies this story is profound I am talking about the creator of this whole universe that we all sit in a church sit at home pray to our hearts whatever that may be the creator of this whole universe answered my call and sent this angel to me profound Did you ever see her since? I was the just a once off So I I, after my experience I had one other apparition like an experience where she came to visit me in my aunt and uncle Brian and Tammy's and and That was kind of the last, I didn't need, once I met her that day, I didn't need anything else. I want people to hear this because this is important for anybody who needs to hear this today. Mm. I didn't care what the sign was. I had no expectations. I just was crying in my heart for help to be heard. So when she did come back to me, you can read about this in my book. There's loads of great chapters in my book. And my book is now recently published in 2020 revised and my company are so amazing my new publishing company i'm super dyslexic so to even space the book out and the words out for anybody out there who's got difficulty reading it's so amazing but you know um What about this cool dude that we brought here We're going to bring him into the story. But I just wanted you to reprise your story. By the way, they're listening
2: intensely. A station wagon is what they call that car. (laughs) (laughs) I just got a listener (laughs) on there to tell me me that. Listen, Matthew Layman, you're very welcome to the show. You're known as Mr. Gratitude. Tell me the story behind that name. Why are you known as Mr. Gratitude?
1: Well, it's uh, my first single of a guided meditation album that we're releasing worldwide. It's actually free right now on Spotify. Uh, It's also on Apple Music and every streaming music service in the world. So that was our first single was gratitude because I've always suffered with gratitude issues. I've dealt with anxiety. I've dealt with depression. I've had suicidal thoughts. I've thought about killing myself. Mental health is a big issue. It's not a individual issue. It's a worldwide issue. It affects our brothers, our sisters, our uncles, our fathers, our mothers, we all have moments of, of 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 deep dark despair. We also have beautiful bright days, and you know, life is a life is a journey. Life is a, a wild ride. We all get pressed up against experiences, against business experiences, against life experiences, childhood trauma, uh, near death experiences that that can bring us low and can bring us high. And so, when I decided that. Well, when I began my healing journey 10 years ago, it was around meditation, it was around mindfulness. Um, My mentor is Dr. Joe Dispenza, who's a worldwide uh, best-selling book author. And I've been to countless of his retreats, probably eight or nine. And uh, two years ago, I decided I was gonna create my own meditation album. Because I was listening to him four or five, six times a day, and I was getting burned down on his voice, and I wanted to hear something new. So I uh, just recorded my first single called Gratitude. It's out now. We also have a track called Love. So if you've ever lost someone that you love tremendously, um, love is that one thing that transcends time and space. So we can connect to our, our, our the ones that we've lost along the way. And then recently, two weeks ago, we just dropped our third track called Abundance. And uh, that one's actually already getting a lot of viral hits and uh super excited
2: gratitude that word is a huge word and you know in our busy lives and as we live and try to live mm-hmm. rear our families put a roof over our heads yeah. go to work yeah. everything and all the challenges that come yeah sometimes we think the grass is greener on the other side bingo it's
7: so true you know
2: yeah well um gary Vandercheck who's a world-selling
1: best-selling book author Woodley just talked about this the other day. I saw it on the internet. So I'm involved in this organization called Charity Water. 850 million souls on this planet don't have access to clean drinking water. They can't drink clean water. They have to walk 5, 10 miles a day to drink water that you and I would not even piss in. And their children, their mothers, their fathers, their sons. So it takes a shift every morning to wake up and realize that We are all blessed, especially if we have access to clean water and a roof over our head that's not being rained on or leaked on. So, you know, you have this shift of like, okay, I can either focus on the lack or I can focus on what I have. And so that's where gratitude came in.
2: And it's very important at times to ground yourself and say that, you know, Mm -hmm. I am lucky. And I do that. I have to say I often look around me and think. Haven't I just been blessed in my life mm-hmm. that, of what I have? And I think it it's really helpful when you when you you, you can do that. You know, how did you two guys meet?
7: How, how, what's the connection? Actually, <laughs> we met through um, Kyle Mansfield. Oh, yeah. He's the he's the connector for this part of our journey. Um, look, we're brothers. We definitely. I got speaking the men I met. Matt and we had our first call just straight away just resonated in the heart just like you just had that instant recapitulation of memory of knowing listen this is a brother from another life and so it was Kyle who was the guy who brought us together but it's also the reason why we're here in Drada for our, our, our abundance. <laughs> Yeah,
2: Yeah. and this is important to mention. The reason you're with me today, you're having this seminar in the D-Hotel tomorrow night, starting at 7 o'clock, called the Abundance Expansion Seminar. And you mention uh, Kyle Mansfield there, uh, who will be with you. Dr Deborah uh, will be there as well. She's the gut health uh, aspect of this whole thing. And uh, you'll also have uh, yourself and... um, Matthew, yes, Matthew yeah. will be there as well. You'll all be there tomorrow yes. night. So, what's the what's the idea behind this tomorrow evening? What 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 what? Why are you here? Why are you bringing this
7: seminar to the Northeast for what? I love my community. I care so much about my community, and I love all the people. Loud me, Drada, and we want to give back. This is the whole thing. So, I we're flying in all my great friends from America to come here. Top speakers, top leaders to come to the D Hotel for this for this free event. I'm giving away 50 free books of my own book, and the night's going to be a night of where we speak about meditation, we speak about mindfulness, mental health, we're also speaking about We're going to show people about our collagen for all the ladies listening out there. We have the best collagen in the world here. Seven worldwide patents in our collagen. We've got seven patents and we're going to be showing people this, how to connect all the dots. So we're bringing in the, the famous five. We have Max on camera here. The famous five's coming together and we're going to share our expertise to help people, but we're also introducing a whole new concept. It's called social retail. And it's the biggest disruptor in the world. It's changing how people, like it's helping people to become more independent. In what way?
1: What social retail is? Yeah, so social retail is internet and drop shipping comes together. I mean, you look at industries such as the taxi industry. What changed? Uber came in, industry disruptor. What happened in the hotel industry? You had Airbnb. What happened in the music industry? You had Spotify and Apple Music. So, what social retail is, it's the power of online shopping mixed with drop shipping, mixed with social media. You put those three major powerhouses together, you have an opportunity for the average person to turn their smartphone into a money-making machine. We actually teach people how to become
2: financially independent. So this is part of it as well. It's the spiritual, it's the mental side of things, and it manifests in the physical Physical. as well with this.
1: Yes, Yes. so you, you asked how did it all tie together. You're a perfect example of creating your own luck. You created your own luck by generating the field that you have within yourself, right? You you create abundance, you give, you allowed us to come here today and be on your show, so thank you. A uh, heart full of gratitude for that, for being here. So when you are abundant, all you wanna do is give. When you are embodying abundance, you just wanna share. People say, oh Matt, you're lucky. Oh Max, you're lucky. Oh Robbie, you're lucky. No, we create our own luck based on our frequency, based on our thoughts and our feelings. So I teach people how to get free emotionally with emotional freedom spiritual freedom but then if you don't have we we still embody these physical bodies right you still have a car you still have a house you still have a mortgage you still have a rent you have a phone so if someone's working a job that they don't like if they're waking up at four in the morning working 18 20 hours a day i call them still in the matrix unfortunately they're still i hate to say the word slave to the matrix of hustling of surviving so we teach people how to get free emotionally spiritually and then we teach people how to get free financially have time freedom geographical freedom i mean we're building 46 homes in tulum i'm traveling around the world i've been able to do this for my myself and now we're giving this to others and that's the whole
0: selling a little or a lot Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com slash work.
1: That's the whole vibration of this seminar is giving because abundance is a spirit of giving. Abundance is a frequency. Abundance is a vibration. It's a feeling. And when you embody that feeling, all you want to do is give. So you're going to give loads tomorrow
2: night. Yes. It's free. Yes. You're going to give to people. Yes.
7: Freely. Yes.
2: Yes. No catch. No catch. No I'm catch. I'm just trying to think here, is there a catch? There isn't.
7: There there's can't no be. no catch. You won't be able to come back to town <laughs> again if there's any catch. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you know that. You know the best thing is, it's from survive to thrive. Mm. And I love my community. I love the people of Drottada. They... Droughton is a very special town. I love Dundalk. I love the County Loud. We're we're a very special set of people. I come on this show 10 years ago. We had 50 people, 80 people invited to my book launch. 375 people turned up. That's the power. If there's people out there today and they are ready to, if you can be coached, if you can be coached, if you're coachable, we're here for you. We yeah. can help you. We will support you. This is this is you're joining something here that's going to be massive and it's going to connect you to people who are absolutely specialised in what they do. Yeah. And you get to meet the angel. <laughs> I mean,
1: at the end of the day, people are starving for community. Mm. They're starving for real connection, especially coming out of what we just came out of, which is lockdowns, which was stay in your home. Oh, no, you can't shake a hand. Oh, oh no, you can't sit across the table from a stranger. Oh, no, we have to be divided by these, these fake facades of plastic, right? So people are really starving for being able to look someone in the eye, shake a hand, give a hug. And so that's why we... That's why we're having this event. Um, that's why we did an event in Spain. That's why I had people, 50 people show up unannounced with one hour notice to do a guided meditation on the beach in Barcelona, Spain, is because people are starving to be together. That's what's missing now in today's culture is we, we work, we go home, we go in our little boxes, and we stay on our phone and we, we talk through text. We talk through phone now. And this is what's missing is being able to look someone in the eye and see their soul, see my soul and have a heart resonance.
2: My God, today, I'm glad that that time has passed and that you were able to come here and we were able to face each other in the studio. Look, I have to leave it there today. Seven o'clock tomorrow night, D-Hotel in Rahata. Everybody welcome.
7: Everybody. Everybody. Bring your granny, bring your aunt, bring your sister, <laughs> bring your cousin. Tell anybody.
2: Matthew Lehman, Mr. Gratitude, and the wonderful Robbie Andrews, How I Met My Guardian Angel. 50 copies free to the first 50 people there tomorrow night. Thank you again. Enjoyed the conversation. Britney Spears, and every time on your late lunch this Thursday afternoon. We have loads of messages in. <laughs> therefore on the uh, issue we opened the show with about dogs in restaurants give you a flavour for them and I'll come back to them again I promise you Uh, Hi LMFM if you go to Yorkshire in the UK dogs are very welcome in restaurants and bars you'll see bowls of water provided by the restaurant owners, thank you for that. Nope Jerry dogs should not be allowed in restaurants dogs shed hair etc. Can you imagine eating food and you get hair in your food or on your clothes says Breida in Navin. Uh, Jerry the world has gone Pure mad dogs in a restaurant while you're having a meal. I've heard it all now. Says another listener, and I have to say, they I've seen very few uh, Louise. You, you have to. You're looking at them there, and I, there's loads there in WhatsApp as well. Most people are not comfortable with dogs in restaurants. Isn't that fair to say from what we're getting in here today?
3: Mm, and most will admit they have a dog or they are dog lovers but just not in restaurants. Yes. I haven't said that about coffee shops but no. not in actually full restaurants.
2: Yes. Um, hi, Jerry. Just listening to the show. Bio and Delic. I bring my dog Bruce in all the time uh, after a walk. Dog friendly, and they give treats to the dogs, and you can take pictures with them. There you are. Sorry, I, I have to say I withdraw that last remark. We are getting people who are telling us, "Bio, well done to you." There you are, Bio. You can bring your dog in, and they love to have them there. To be honest with you, my dog um, will just
3: go begging round the tables. What? <laughs> Yeah.
2: <laughs> Hi, Gerry, Anne. We always have dogs and love them, but we could not have them in the house, No, ma- never mind a restaurant, because two of my daughters are highly allergic to them. What happens if we go to a restaurant uh, and the uh, there are dogs there? We just have to leave immediately, says Anne. There you are. I know in our house the way dogs were. Dogs, when I lived at home years ago, uh, they had their kennels and sheds outdoors. Uh, Messi now is in our utility. He comes in the house sometimes and that, but the garden is his place where he goes and Jack before him slept in the garage he never got near the house but that's just the way we are with dogs and the way we've been brought up can I read you a little poem have I half a minute you have it's can I do this on uh, poetry day in Ireland please Alan told you go on can I read the (laughs) daffodil poem
3: oh yes okay Oh
2: well, I read the other one by Rudyard Kipling. What would you like, Rudyard Kipling or Robert Herrick's Daffodils? Go on, you pick. What's Roger,
3: Rudyard? No, no, go Kipling. on. Which Rudyard one do you Kipling. I'll go Kipling.
2: Okay. Well, you can, I'll read you Kipling. Can do the other one later. I'll do the other one later. Okay. On uh, Poetry Day in Ireland, from yours truly, Rudyard Kipling. The poem is: If, if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you; if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too; if you can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied about don't deal in lies or being hated don't give way to hating and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds' worth of distance run yours is the earth and everything that's in it and which is more you'll be a man my son i like that one yeah, it's a lovely poem thought by Roger. Yeah, thought provoking as well. I'll come back to the daffodils. I think people were turned off poetry because you remember at school you had to mm. analyse what's oh. the what's the poet Thinking there,
3: do you remember he, that he wrote about a tree? He didn't <laughs> write about the existential meaning of life through yes, the roots of yes, anything.
2: Yes. It was a tree. It was a nice tree. He thought. <laughs> but you know that, I'm sure, it was analysed for a hundred years to death. And you're asking kids in school to think again about what he's thinking. What is the point
3: he ate thinking fumbling there? in his greasy tail? <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, yes, I know why people were put off poetry and the Irish language is similar as well. There's ways of doing it and better ways of doing it <laughs> for sure. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. I suppose that sums up our conversation on the show for the next while. I'm delighted to welcome to Late Lunch James McKevitt. He's chairperson and their P.R.O. Miss Sarah McCann. You know her well on Late Lunch of Inver Culper Rowing Club. And there's big news. Welcome. Welcome to both Thanks, Jerry. of you. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you for joining me on the show again this afternoon. Well, well, well. Show me your hand, Sarah McCann. Show me your hand there again. Oh my! I have to get I a picture of that hand you before to be on you lose TV it.
8: for this.
2: Jerry, is that what happens when you when you roll?
8: That's what happens when you pull hard, Jerry. <laughs> that's <gasps> what happens when you pull hard.
2: Your hands are in bits. Yeah. But but surely when that happens once or twice, they become hardened, they do they? do. You yeah. kind of
8: like, you can see they're kind of calluses now. Yes. I'm actually quite proud of them. I know it's a little strange, um, but I think it's proof of, badge proof of, of hard heart. work. Yeah, I know a lot of people get them for weightlifting and stuff like that. But they do, they get hard the more that you essentially wear them down, I suppose. And that's with gloves, Jerry. So can you imagine what my hands would be like if I didn't wear gloves? How long are you rowing? I only started in June 2020, and I absolutely fell in love with it, and it took over from my running passion. Mm. So yeah, it really—I got hooked very quickly.
2: What What is it? What 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 has rowing got that grabs you?
8: Yeah, I know it's really weird. I've always I always wanted to try it, Um, and as you know, I'd do everything in that I'd cycle, I'd run, I'd do crazy things up mountains and adventure races but with rowing there's kind of a multiple of, of things I think. Um, firstly it's not solitary, well you can be solitary but we're not solitary, mm. we're a group so it's this collective kind of experience of people on a boat all kind of hoping to aim for the same thing. So even if you're out in a leisure row yes. your aim is to enjoy yourself have a bit of a crack, have a bit of a chat but if you're on a competitive row in a race your aim is to actually like really go as fast as you can, as quickly as you can mm. and you know hopefully win a place mm. so you kind of have people working in tandem to But then there's something about um, and again, I'm not a great swimmer and I'll put that out there because I was a little worried when I started. Oh, what if I fall out? And thankfully, we've never got to a point where I thought I was going to fall out of a boat. Um, But when you're just on the water. And you have this kind of very rhythmic sense of movement. So, you know, when people are rowing together, you can mm. kind of hear the oarlocks locks click and you hear kind of the splash of the water. And it's really peaceful, kind of, let's say, hourly. But then visually, you're just looking around you. And then obviously we're going up and down the, under the viaduct, under the bridges in it out to Mornington, along Lovely. the coast of clarhead mm. You, you'd pay
2: to see what we see. Ah. You know, you pay
8: people to take you on a tour. We get to do it for
2: free. And it James, so yeah. James, what a sales pitch by that woman. Follow that.
9: <laughs> uh, well, I suppose like, just to follow on, uh, it covers all ages. Like, you know, that's the inter- interesting thing. I think as a sport that's both competitive, you know, and leisurely, you know, there are people in the club in their 50s and 60s, you know. So mm. it's a sport you can continue to do for quite some time. I suppose I would have played Rugby all my life, and uh, I suppose it's it's replaced that for me because I suppose there's no impact or contact, mm. you know. But yet I can do you know, you know, fantastic exercise, you know, and competitively as well. Yes, so, so it's great.
2: You're chairperson of the club. Yes. Rowing goes back a long way on the River Boyne. The the river has been rowed on,
9: you know, for decades and decades, going yeah. way back. But your club, 2011 was it? 2011, yes. Yeah. So so technically we're a coastal rowing club, yeah. although we spend more time on on the <laughs> river than we do on the yes. sea. Um, I suppose historically in Drawda the, the, there's rowing recorded in the town since the 1860s my god you know? centuries back yeah, yeah. Yes. And, and, and I suppose just unfortunately Drawda Rowing Club which would have been a river rowing club uh, yeah. I suppose became defunct in the mid 70s mm. um, now still a few few of those members knocking about um, I was talking to Odie Gardner there uh, during the week um, so but historically yes you know what I mean the te- there's been an, an interest and a t- tradition in the town yes. for it like in 1930 the draw their own club were the national champions you know mm. so so there's, there's there was a great interest there's, if there's a book there uh, Memories of the Boyne, which is the history of their own club, that Jim McHardle would have been chairperson of the local voices, and they talk about there being up to ten thousand people along the banks, wow. you know, on Donors Green watching My. the races, you know. Mm, so it's, it's funny, but work a coastal rowing club, um, and I suppose we do have an interest as a club in using the river, you know, and, and branching into river rowing. Um, the club was founded in 2011, um, and I suppose. Up until now, it's been it's been difficult to grow because mm-hmm. we haven't had our own States. home. You yes. know, we, yeah. we've we been the guests of the, the Boyne uh, fisherman Fishermen Rescue, yeah. Rescue and Recovery. Yeah. We've been operating out of containers down there on the Marsh Road. And now, two years ago, we got a nine, 99 year lease off the council for a site uh, joining them. And there, last month, we got planning permission for a new boathouse uh, on the site. So it's it's very exciting. It's for us. great.
2: And I have the plans here yeah. before me. And please God, it comes to fruition sooner than later. And you will have a home of your own on the Bine, And it makes such a difference when you do have your own place. Um, we, we better get to the race because it, uh, this is the important thing, Sarah. Because yeah. this weekend, Bank Holiday weekend, tell our yep. listeners what's so happening. The
8: Boeing Boat Race is taking place um, this Sunday. So um, I, I participated in this for the first time last year. And uh, it was brilliantly awful, if that makes sense. And that it's the hardest thing I've ever done. But at the same time, when you finish it, you just feel, you know, delighted with yourself. Um, so basically, at two o'clock on uh, Sunday on the Clarhead Beach, there'll be people from all over the country so we've got I think about 30 boats that are going to be taking part in the race and they're going to be jumping into their boats and getting out to the starting line there is no obviously line in the sea <laughs> but as, as much of a line as we can make Yes. and they pretty much have a tough row ahead of them there's a good like almost 8 kilometres right along the coast up to you know where the Boyne meets the sea obviously and then they go around the, bo- the boy there and they go the whole way down the Boyne pretty much to De Lacey Bridge at Scotch Hall which is where the finish line and that's is the so finish line That's yeah, the finish line there yeah. yeah
2: What it's around 155 yeah, What time it. do you reckon they'd be at the Lacey Bridge roughly there'll be boats starting to appear on the, yeah, on the well river Yeah well we
8: hope from about maybe quarter past 20 past 3 the fast fast boats because some boats are very fast yes. even in there we've multiple designs I see that see. Yeah yeah so you can see even there's a like what we're we're in one design boats but then there's other designs and it's even hard to remember the names I Well the, I, I suppose the,
9: the, the East Coast Skiffs you know yes. which yes. are yes. big yeah. timber boats you know yeah. uh, which would be for most of the clubs along the East Coast and then we've quite a number of clubs from the North as well who come in their St. Dale's Skiffs which again are traditional timber boats uh, and so they'll with make Celtic, up yeah, and with some Celtic, Celtic long, long boats, boats yeah. um, Corrux, and, and, Corrux, and some Corrocs yeah, yeah, yeah
8: so they're things five or six they're different they're all different designs. categories so yeah. they'll be staggered, staggered yeah so they're not stars.
2: racing against one one another because yeah. they travel at different speeds and they're, they're racing well. against people
8: in their own category, category. Yes, yeah, so there's this multiple categories so yeah. Clowhead Beach what time did you say again so two o'clock start at so Beach so listen yeah.
2: folks what a place to be to see all these boats launching at the start race and then you can hop in your cars and leisurely take your way into Droghada and get out to uh, De Lacey Bridge there on the south side and see the finish as yeah. well so yeah. you can yeah. see
9: start and finish Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I suppose Trot, it'll be busy because the, the 10k is 0. on, 0. on that's right. at the same time mm. yeah. So. That's right. yeah, I you think could, the
8: point 10k is finishing around the same time yeah you could take in is, both
9: yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
8: yeah.
2: so yeah. it's going to be a mad day in town for, for sure yeah. so coming from all over Ireland to race here along the coast and then uh, up the River Boyne how, how, what's your membership like well what's the health of the membership James well that, that's
9: well we've a great really Really great bunch in the club. We've 25 uh, members in the club. We, we we haven't been able to expand because we've been so restricted. It's, you it's know, mm. so we just haven't yeah. had a home, and it's a whole health and safety thing. There's only a limit to how many people we can train, you know, and yes. induct into the club. So we had an information day. Uh, last month which was hugely su- successful and we've uh, a of new people uh, joining the club and we would hope to have another information day later in the year again but having this site and, and, and please God building this boathouse is going to change all that you know dynamic and, and, completely yeah yeah, yeah.
8: completely yeah.
2: what's the difference between river rowing and coastal rowing
8: hmm, waves <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're too sharp for me, Miss McCann. Well,
8: even no, a, that's a great answer. Well,
2: yeah, it is. You yeah. Know, <laughs>
8: so, when you're river rowing and it's flat, you know, yeah. you really can get the oar in and yeah. give it a good pull. Yes. But sometimes when you're out at sea, you know, you put the oar in, and sometimes you actually pull mm-hmm. air because yeah. the wave has just changed the second yes. you put the oar in. So yeah. really, that.
9: I suppose the coast, and I suppose like officially, the the coastal and offshore rowing would mm. be traditionally in fixed seat boats you know like ours yeah. so the mm. river rowing would be in inline sliding seats yeah. skulls you know yes. uh, the tradition. Yes. what you'd see in the Olympics yeah. you know would be river Oxford rowing. Cambridge yes yeah yeah. of yeah. yeah. you're familiar with the boat yeah. race yeah.
2: in England that's yeah. what exactly. are talking about there. exactly that's yeah. the difference how so. many in a boat how many in your in, in the class you mentioned there that you're one your, design, one design. design yeah. how many, yeah. how many how four many,
8: Four. four and a cox yes. The yes. cox is doing the steering and the guiding and hopefully the shouting and hurry up and <laughs> row harder pull harder long and strong
2: does the cox win have to be small in stature
9: is that, is, yeah. the, is that a help is, yes well Jeremy yeah. hodges will be coxing us yeah. on sunday so he's small enough but no you, you, yeah it helps yeah it's, it's mm. if you have the extra weight that's yeah. what you're pulling you're over pulling that kind it. of distance yeah. you know so yeah. uh, you need little champion jockeys uh, the boat, yeah. you know? but obviously so.
8: you also need people who are experienced and kind of yeah. know you know can read the Oh, sure. The, at the very, same time, very and the current and I don't the tide. think people
2: understand how yeah. important that person yeah. oh, is yeah. even though they're not on the physical side of things pulling the oars or whatever but yeah. they make it, I know they are are, are huge What's your projection with the new clubhouse? You know, fun- well, funding, of course, funding is the first thing. you got to get the money to build it. How are you going to do that?
9: Yeah, well, I suppose we're taking a phased approach. You know, we have um, a number of containers, new containers. We, we want to just raise enough money to get in on the site, you know, to to clear it off, you know, get our hard surfaces in, get our containers in so that we can start using it. Um, we want to then, I suppose the next phase will be to build actual boat store. And then... You know, we'd look to in the future make another plan application for, you know, more facilities, you know, meeting room changing yes, facilities, yes, you know, that yes. that kind of thing. So at the moment, the fundraising, you know, I suppose this cycle is yeah, really we're, the big thing, you know. Yeah. Um, mm. We also we had a meeting with um, uh, the minister, uh, Thomas Byrne, there uh, a week ago just to discuss funding. So, you know, there's a couple of other channels that we have to uh, explore, yes, you know, yeah. but there, there is funding out there and yeah. we hope to tap into that. The cycle yeah. is happening in August.
8: Yeah, if I could just jump in with the cycle, because we are still looking for cyclists to take part. So I guess our, our main or the start of our fundraising is going to be a cycle and there's two choices of route. And I know we're a rolling club and we're doing a cycle but obviously at the same time you know, you need the fitness and well, we're going uh, to be doing the training coast to coast Yeah, so we're essentially leaving either Galway and arriving in Drogheda, Um, or you have a choice if you want to do a slightly shorter one Athlone to athlone. Drogheda so yeah. you're talking around and again approximately 230k to do the longer one or maybe about 130 to do the shorter one so um, we're looking for 30 cyclists to do Galway and 30 cyclists to do Athlone and we're doing quite well in that we have a number of people already I think we're up at about 35-40 um, people Good. Um, some people are still trying to decide between the Galway or Athlone but people are already out training and we have a group together and they're out doing their training so people are already kind of ticking off some miles and we're still looking for other cyclists to join
2: and you're looking for the cyclists to raise some money and this is the way you're going to yeah. you know, get the cash in to do this yeah. wonderful job on the so new yeah Genesis. I
8: guess what we're asking is for every cyclist to aim to raise €500 Euro yes. and then we're taking care of their accommodation we're bringing them over you know feeding them before the event and yes. making sure obviously we have stewards and we have ambulances and everything mm. and all of that to make sure they're safe on the way If
2: somebody well. wants to pedal for you what's the best way best just thing get in touch is just,
8: Yeah get in touch if they go onto our Facebook or, or um, they'll see so inverculpa, Rowing at gmail.com you'll find just type inverculpa into Google and you'll find multiple ways to contact us either by phone or email
2: It's fascinating and I can understand on the water and the joy of being out there and as you said you really sold it today you really did Sarah it's a wonderful wonderful thing rowing it certainly is and good luck to you with everything good luck this weekend with the, uh, the Boeing boat race the 7th year Clarehead, into the town of Droit. It's all happening this weekend, and I hope your hands get better soon. I really She's do. Soft. Yeah, soft. I and your mammy, before you go, your mammy had a message. Oh yeah,
8: she said that our dog is so polite she'd sit in a restaurant and not cause any trouble whatsoever.
2: <laughs> there you go. We leave it on that for today. Wish you well. Thank you both for joining me. Thanks, Jerry, Jerry. Thanks very much. Take care. Appreciate Cheers. It. The Righteous Brothers and Unchained Melody on your late lunch this Thursday afternoon. Well, don't you just, Louise, love listeners? So the commentary is just fantastic and I have to say, some days, we just can't get through it all. There's that much but we do our best to read. I oh, don't
3: you know how you remember which ones you've read and which <laughs> know, ones you don't. I
2: know, I know, I know. Between, flipping between the text and the WhatsApp or whatever. Back to the dogs and the restaurants. Wow, what a response we've had today and I, again, I say on the whole, you know, it's a no. Claire says, dogs and food do not mix, Jerry. Jerry. Tommy says, no place for dogs in restaurants, Jerry. Sorry about that. Uh, but there's again, there's another listener, Louise. I'd rather put up with dogs than <laughs> screaming children. So Susan. I love it, Susan. She might have a point. She may have a point. And I absolutely adore this comment. I agree, Jerry. Restaurants are no place for dogs. Although much loved they are, they are not babies. No matter how much people love them or think they are. The next thing it'll be cats And then someone will want to bring in a pet pig mm-hmm. pet pig
3: A pig's not meant to be very clean animals They are There you go
2: Ah oh, but come on She could be eating a bacon sandwich And the pig looking up at you <laughs> Imagine the pig looking up at you And you eating a sausage or a bacon sandwich <laughs> Oh my god The poor <laughs> pig would be traumatised Charge out through the restaurant Knock the place down Can you just picture it? <laughs> No, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) there you go you're fantastic people you really are final words on the dogs today Kay Fagan popped me in an an email while we're on air and she says sorry you had that bad experience recently I would just like to tell you I have an English Springer Spaniel who I always took with me on holidays and days out throughout her life anywhere I took her she would always lay under the table while we eat no problem she was a very difficult uh, dog as a young dog but I worked with her and a trainer behaviourist and it really paid off as I could take her anywhere. I would advise any dog owners to treat any issues when they get the dog first and always keep them on a lead-in company. You must know your dog. Don't put them into any situations that they're not comfortable with. I took more holidays in the UK, Jerry, over the years because I had more places that I could take her when eating. I do respect that some people may not like dogs or dogs in restaurants, but that can be checked out with the establishment before sitting down for the meal. I wonder why the owner of that restaurant you were in didn't ask the dog owner to leave even give them a voucher that they could use at a later date without the dog. For 15 years I enjoyed my dog and I'm now caring for her as she's had two strokes. Ah, oh, over the last two years. I now care for her 24-7 in her latter years. Kay, lovely message. Thank you indeed for getting in touch with me on the show day today. do appreciate it and really appreciate your thoughts and sentiments as well. Have I time for the daffs? Will you give me half a half minute? Yes, she's nodding. I can, I can do the daffs. Poetry day it is in Ireland. Here we are. Robert Herrick. Fair Daffodils, and this is a very poignant poem to me. Fair Daffodils, we weep to see you haste away so soon, as yet the early rising sun has not attained his noon. Stay, stay, until the hasting day has run, but to evensong, and having prayed together, we will go with you along. We have short time to stay as you. We have as short a spring, as quick a growth to meet decay, as you or anything, we die. As, our, as your hours do and dry away Like to the summer's rain Or as the pearls of morning's dew ne'er to be found again The dafts, they're on their way out And it's a, it's a reflection of human life as well Spring, summer, autumn and winter We all go through it and We're lucky enough we do And some don't see the four seasons of life But that's Robert Herrick Fair Daffodils On Poetry Day here in Ireland On your late lunch Each day at this time, on your late lunch, we sort of do something like this.
7: Five, four,
1: three, two, one. Counting down the top five
2: songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number two this very week in 1977. Yes, we're going back a bit uh, this week on the show. But this song, well, today, back then, it was its highest chart position it never made it to number one it was a moderate hit in the united states but to number two at that stage it made it in england but here's the thing it's by a famous man and i was thinking is it his most popular song or his best love song actually i checked it out and it rates as his number two song behind when the going gets tough. You know who I'm talking about now, don't you? Yes, yeah, Mr. Billy Ocean and our number two from 77. It's The Red Light. The
4: draw,
2: Billy Ocean and Red light spells danger on your late lunch this afternoon. I have a fantastic message in there about a dog incident. I'm going to keep it till tomorrow, if you don't mind, and I'll read it on the show. You've just sent it to me. You know who you are. I'm going to keep it and read it tomorrow. I promise you I'm coming back to this one in particular. Nothing to do with the restaurants, but an interesting doggy story as well. Coincide with the release of the movie Pray for Our Sinners by local woman Sinead O'Shea. I want to go back to an interview I did with Mary Rannells. Mary and Paddy Rannells, legendary GPs in Navin. they stood up for people and uh, going into the interview now we've taken an extract from it here's Mary telling me about Paddy and an incident that happened when a mother came to him with a child who was being abused at school
6: but then there was a climax one day when a young lad of nine came in and the brother was beating him on his left hand and um, his left arm was painful and the mother wanted, as the dispensary doctor, to write a note to the school and ask them. This is a joke, like it'll ask. It'll ask them, would they please beat the young fellow on the other arm? Because on the other hand, because that the first one was so. And it transpired that the arm um, that they were beating him on, or the the hand, was actually broken. Now there's no, uh, nobody ever said at the time. There was no speaking up. I mean, that was the system. That was the way it was run, and you you didn't have any alternative. By the way, you know. I mean, and then if you spoke against education. It was assumed then that you were anti-clerical and there wasn't any bigger sin in those days than being anti-clerical.
2: When that article appeared, Children Under the Lash, in the News of the World, on the 4th of May 1969, there were three parts, three successive Sundays and Paddy was featured in that article. It must have been difficult for you and him and the family afterwards.
6: Well, now it's very hard to explain that one, Jerry. We were so convinced that this was legitimate, like that children should not be beaten in school and that this was cruelty. You know, if we didn't mind taking any uh, you know, bad um, reputation about it or anything, I mean we never honestly lost a night's sleep over it, you know. It was just something that you were so convinced Was the right way to go, and you were just you were thinking in in a straight line. And if people didn't agree with you, it didn't bother you. You know, that made it more of a challenge, I suppose, really.
2: Yeah, but he spoke up, and he was a man of principle, and he wasn't going to be deflected in in any way. Did it have any implications for the practice there that people boycott him, or not attend, or leave?
6: No, I don't think. So I don't think anybody left him. Um, He always had his following, Jerry. you know, Mm. and people who didn't like his approach, I suppose, wouldn't. I mean, people did sign up to be a, a patient or to have you as a doctor in those days, you know. And if people didn't agree with you, I suppose they wouldn't sign up with you. No, there was nothing like that.
2: OK, that's that's good to hear that people stood with him and, and by him. It is true to say, isn't it, though, that copies of the News of the World suddenly disappeared off the newsstands in Navin for those three weeks.
6: That's right. They were there there for the first week. And there was to be follow-up follow um, on the, the two following Sundays, and um, the News of the World
2: Disappeared, <laughs> it disappeared mysteriously, uh, folks, yes, from yeah. the newsstands. You weren't behind the door yourself as a trailblazer because weren't you the first uh, doctor outside of Dublin in the mid-70s to provide family planning services?
6: Yes. Now, there was nothing heroic about that at all, Terry. <laughs> I had come from Dublin to Navin and grew up in Dublin. And then I came to Navan and women were having 14 and 16 and 18 children. This was not happening in Dublin. And straight away this struck me. What's going on? <laughs> and I never really worked that one out. What was going? What was going on? You know. Just at the same time, it was coincidental that the pill was becoming available, coming on the market. You know. And I, being young and being full of ideas again, full of enthusiasm, and I was going to improve a lot of. Um, Irish women. And one of the things that was holding women back in Ireland was these gigantic families that they were having. They were all the time either pregnant or childbinding. And And um, as I say, it just purely was coincidence that I came on board at the time that the pill was arriving on the scene as well. And, you know, you'd want to be mentally deficient, uh, not to sort of uh, jump in there and offer alternative to women of choosing the spacing and the length of their families Mm. as they Shows they worked out, so I, I, I came in if you can imagine just at that stage you know so there wasn't a great enlightenment or anything it was just common sense you know and I didn't see it as being life-changing or anything. I thought mean, as time now you know that's enough like and women at least they should know there is an alternative and fortunately there wasn't alternative you see, coming on stream at that time.
2: And were young Irish women up to speed with the pill and were they anxious? Did you have a great response when you offered these services?
6: Yes, there was a quiet enthusiasm. I, I, I think I'd have put it that way. Women, women. yeah, this was an interesting one, actually. They were coming in to me and they were wanting me to tell them that they needed contraception for their health sake. And I didn't think this was the way to go about it. Like they, like if they had a medical condition, say their diabetes or something like that, and they really shouldn't be having pregnancy after pregnancy. It, all, a lot of women wanted me to say that they were in that stream, which they weren't. They just wanted to have fewer children.
2: Why was that, Mary? Was that because of a fear of the church again?
6: Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and then they could go down to confession on Thursday night, and they could tell the priest that the doctor says I should be using contraception. Now that was the very direct opposite of the way I was thinking, and um, I I didn't want to go down that road at all. I wanted women to get up off their knees and to decide themselves if they wanted to limit their families or space their families. Um, And that it was their decision that they needed to decide themselves whether they wanted to misconception. So I did work. I have to say I did work hard on that issue.
2: I have to say it again. I know you play it down a little, but you played a significant part and role in that whole uh, liberalisation of Irish women, as you said, from huge families and being pinned to the kitchen sink and the house Mm. and nothing else. And my God, have we changed ever since. That must please you.
6: It does actually, Jerry. Obviously I don't take any personal responsibility at all, but um I like the idea that I was part of the movement, you know, and that I, I, I certainly was in, on the ground floor of moving things along. That is a, that is a nice feeling. And actually I remember discussing this with Paddy one night and saying that we, we were, quite privileged, actually, to have been on both sides of that argument, you know. We saw it from both sides, and we certainly preferred the new side. (laughs) Uh, Ah, yes. But we, we, we we did experience both sides.
2: They did indeed Dr Mary Randall's there Speaking to me In July 21 And we uh, remind ourselves Of the wonderful part She played in Ireland And her husband Our late husband Paddy Pray for our sinners Out in cinemas now Late Lunch LMFM Radio All done for today Eddie Caffrey's on his way With The Drive We'll see you tomorrow Half one The Late Lunch With
4: Blackstone Motors Drogheda Dundalk And Cavan
0: Selling a little Or a lot